I'm Annie Apple, and I'm here to invite you to come and listen to my new podcast series, Raising April. It's the most intimate sports-related conversations you will hear. Each week, we explore the journeys of some of your favorite NFL players through the eyes of those that know them best. From Joe Burr, DeAndre Hopkins, Miles Garrett, Ezekiel Elliott, Nick and Joey Boza, just to name a few. With exclusive insights and information, we leave no stone unturned. Subscribe now to Raising a Pro on your favorite podcast app. HD you are listening to a Mint production brought to you by HD Smartcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Capital Calculus, the show which focuses on the intersection of politics and economics, something that is critical in democracies like India, especially in influencing what the little guy gets or does not get. Every week, this show will explore this intersection to try and give you a fresh perspective on the week that was. I'm your host, Anil Padmanabhan. Last week, the union government pressed the accelerator on agricultural reforms. It took India a step closer to the idea of one nation, one market for agricultural produce. The change entails dismantling laws in vogue for decades. They extend to harvest, storage and sale of crops. An audacious plan to take the market to the farmer. The government has successfully piloted laws through parliament sanctioning them, setting the stage for an unprecedented reset. However, not everybody is happy. The rich farmers of Punjab and Haryana are incensed. They fear this would nix the idea of the minimum support price, the safety net which partially underwrites farmer risk. Politicians who rely on their support are backing them. Some even fanning the flames as it were. Though localized, the unrest prompted Prime Minister Narendra Modi to come out and clarify, not once, but several times last week. The middlemen between farmers and buyers take away a share of the farmer's earnings. The new laws offer a protective cover to farmers. However, some people who have ruled the country for decades are trying to mislead farmers, lying to them. So who is right? The change makers or the rich farmers? Or are we missing the woods for the trees? Blinded by the political noise, we may be overlooking the obvious. Worse, this skewed debate may be perpetuating myths. To answer this and more, I spoke to Himanshu an associate professor at Jawaharlal Nehru University. He's the best voice on everything related to the farm economy. Exactly my go-to person. Regular listeners would have heard him in the first podcast. Then the union cabinet had just approved the agriculture recast plan. I began by asking him his first thoughts. Now that the plan had become a law. How is it going to pan out in the coming months is something which is yet not very clear in the sense 
we know what has been done and some of this some of the uh, in a sense implementation part of it is something that will require some time in the sense you might have uh, created this farm produce uh, trading area uh, pill but ultimately how does it actually work out do people actually go and buy it from pan is there a separate trading area is there a new investment that is going to come for creating those sort of sorts of markets i think those are issues on on which i think uh, we'll have to wait and uh, uh, this this will not be immediately unfolding uh, in the say for example this season or in the coming season it will take a while before we actually know what is going to be the impact on uh, farm prices or on farmers incomes or on other variables that we're thinking about obvious question then is this buzz about the msp misplaced i asked him anshu whether this is distracting us from addressing the larger challenge facing indian farmers uh, remember msp is uh, announced for 23 crops but we only do procurement for two crops rice and wheat i mean other than that rest of the crops we don't even go and procure so they are basically meaningless if you don't go and procure so any uh, commitment to buy grains uh, uh, at a pre announced price which is what minimum support prices are is uh, null and void if you do, do not actually go and buy those crops so i think it's basically for rice and wheat and that is why you see the maximum voices coming from punjab and haryana which are the large states where uh large states in the sense large contributors to the fci's uh, central pool of grains rice and wheat which are procured for the public distribution system now uh uh what will be the impact of this on uh, procurement or on msp uh, i'm not for sure in the sense it all depends on whether fci actually goes and buys in the mondays which is what he said been doing for so many years or it actually finds a way of bypassing the mondays and goes and uh, uh, uh procures from somewhere outside the mondays i think those uh, peers are less of a concern to me i don't think it is the msp issue uh, which is really the one that should be bothering too much of it so himanchu if you uh, look at the central idea of this entire policy if you can sum it up it's basically taking the market to the farmer so yeah. is this the first step towards you know de-addicting us uh, indian farming from this msp procurement cycle where paddy and wheat have come to dominate our discourse let me be clear about it market doesn't mean simply the way we understand market i mean in, in the context of farming or in the context of agriculture market is a physical entity and we are talking about uh, where farmers can take their produce when their buyers are available and there is a process where the transaction basically happens now uh, what has happened in terms of rice and wheat is something which is uh, clearly a distortion and it's not something which is uh, the primary should be the primary concern it should actually be we are talking we should be talking about a large number of uh, other crops and you know it very clearly that for the last 10 years the our production of uh, fruits and vegetables and other horticultural crops are now much higher than overall food grains taken together which includes not just rice and wheat but also pulses as well as other kind of core cereals so i think for all of these items there is neither a minimum support price program there is neither as other kind of a procurement agency or procurement program that we have so again it's a very skewed uh, program that we are talking about but really the question is to provide a suitable market structure to the farmers and i am talking about market structure knowingly it's not something which is just telling them that you look the market has been opened and you go and do whatever you feel like i think there is a huge amount of investment that is needed not just the market infrastructure but also 
the post-harvest uh, infrastructure altogether taken together, which is the logistic chain, which is the storage, which is the cold storage, which is the processing part of it. And in all of these, I think there has been a, a kind of lack of investment over the uh, over the last two to three decades. If we uh, take a step back and look at this circumstance again, so all that you have said is basically a result of a supply side approach to resolving agriculture problems. You know, you wanted to increase output, you want to increase your food stocks, whereas the demand side of the problem, which is far more complicated to implement is never been pursued. So which is what you talk about, that there is no market infrastructure in place, there's no cold chain, there is no nothing to create, address the demand part of the problem. I think the demand part is not just the demand that you, that you talked about, but also the demand in general coming from demand for agricultural goods and services. And then that part is the broader issue, which is the, the broader issue of what is happening to the economy as such. See, remember, I mean, in the last uh, two to three years, or maybe take like, roughly three to four years, I mean, what we have been seeing is a phenomena where the, uh, the rural areas have been in some kind of a distress. That is coming from the wages data, that is coming out from uh, different forms of data. And if you make sense of it, what you realize is that there is some kind of a demand that is there. And that's also more or less uh, a little bit of reflection of that is there in the, that the overall growth rates have come down. And they will have some kind of an impact on uh, the demand for agricultural goods and services, agricultural commodities in that sense. And uh, that demand is a different kind of demand that we're talking about. But here is a demand that we're talking about where you not only uh, uh, tell them that, okay, this is something which is that we have opened up the supply uh, bottlenecks and there is no uh, problem as far as these are there. But we also create a, a, a enabling infrastructure which allows them to take advantage of the market. And if you don't do that, because, we, because remember, we are talking about millions of farmers and a majority of them are small and marginal farmers. For them, that enabling infrastructure is something which is going to create the demand for, it's, it's a two-way relationship. It's not something which is, you can do it only by, by, by legislative action or simply by uh, uh, removing the bottlenecks which exist at this point of time. So I think that demand issue is something which is very, very important. And again, I will distinguish between the two kind of demands uh, that I talked about. Now, when I meant demand, I'm arguing like, for example, there are major constraints on agricultural exports. It's only two days ago that they have just disbanded the rules on stocking and distribution of uh, agricultural produce. So that also distorts it. That's my point I'm trying yeah, to Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, absolutely. And since I, let me give you two examples of it. I mean, just when this whole discussion was going on, uh, there were two decisions that were taken by the government. One was a decision where uh, the onion exports were banned. I mean, so remember, this is something which again is going against the entire policy that you will not interfere in uh, 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 these kind of decisions and then they'll, they'll be allowed, the market will be allowed to play its role. Or for example, when you had a very, very weird situation that a single crop like Masur, for example, one of the pulses, uh, there is an import uh, duty on, uh, was uh, a change from 10% to 30%, then 30% to 10%, and then again 10% uh, to 30%. All that happening within a period of just one month. And again, it's some of these decisions are completely ad hoc decisions. So I think if the, I mean, these need to be backed up by also the states stepping away from unnecessary interventions in deciding what is to be exported, what is not to be exported, and allowing the, allowing the uh, farmers to access much greater uh, market than simply the local domestic market. The central challenge facing Indian farming are the underlying risks. I asked Himanshu to share his thoughts on something 
rarely discussed leave alone addressed we are always reacting in panic or for example when the crisis has hit at, hit our door i mean we are here the patient is already in icu and then there is nothing else to do uh, the question is why is it that the farmers are and this is a question that no no political leadership has been asking why is it that the farmers every 2 years or every 3 three years come into this kind of a debt trap i mean if the farmers no farmers would like to be indebted no farmers and i don't buy this argument that farmers are willingly uh, uh, willing to i mean they they basically want to default because they expect there is going to be some kind of a loan waiver that will happen only when there is a culture around that is built and therefore i think the loan waiver culture is not something which should be encouraged beyond a certain point but i think the farmers are in debt simply because there is the risks and the vulnerability are too many i mean it's not just the weather risk that we're talking about the monsoons and those issues are still there but it's also the price risk and that price risk comes from domestic market it also comes from international market because we are now globally much more connected than we were say for example 30 year back or 40 year back particularly after wto and that is why they need to be protected and they need to be uh, ensured they should be uh, there some kind of uh, uh, ensured uh, there some kind of access to uh, remunerative prices should be assured to them and once that is there then i think this issue of uh, uh, loan waiver will not be there but i do agree that we have never treated farming or never thought of farmers as some uh, uh, or as a sector which actually should be encouraged to take risks but also become independent and sustainable in the long run fixing the risks in indian farming is a no brainer one in two in the workforce in the indian economy are employed in the agriculture sector it is the backbone of the consumer economy the big question is whether the new laws will bring about the desired change deliver the dream of one nation one market for agricultural produce it will depend on the indian farmer for starters how do they view this change as a challenge or as an opportunity i say trust their instincts that's all for today thank you for listening hope you enjoyed this episode do share your feedback and ideas you can reach me on twitter at capital calculus or on facebook and instagram at ht smartcast i'll be back next week with a new episode of capital calculus till then stay safe this was a mint production brought to you by ht smartcast ht smartcast Monumental Savings Event is happening now at Unclaimed Freight Furniture. Shop an unmatched selection of styles now, 20% off. Plus, take time to pay with five years no interest financing. Fine guaranteed, lowest prices on home accents starting at just $129. Doorbuster Living Room finds over 40% off. Can't miss marble dining sets under $700. Plus, thousands off complete bedroom additions. Hurry to shop these monumental savings in store at Unclaimed Freight Furniture or shop now at unclaimedfreightfurniture.com.